Section six of English Costume. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ellie. English Costume by Diane Clayton Caltrop. Section six. Richard the First reigned ten years, eleven eighty nine to eleven ninety nine. Born eleven fifty seven. Married eleven ninety one to Berengaria of Navarre, the man. The king had but little influence over dress in his time, seeing that he left England as soon as he was made king, and only came back for two months in eleven ninety four to raise money and to be crowned again. The general costume was then as plain as it had ever been, with long tunics and broad belts fastened with a big buckle. The difference in costume between his short reign and that of Henry II is almost imperceptible if any difference may be noted it is in the tinge of orientalism in the garments there is more of the long and flowing robe more of the capacious mantle the wider sleeve no doubt the many who came from the crusades made a good deal of difference to english homes and actual dresses and tunics from the east of gorgeous colours and eastern designs were one must suppose to be seen in england cloth of gold and cloth of gold and silks that is a waft of silk and a weft of gold were much prized and were called by various names from the persian as siglato and siglaton such stuff when of great thickness and value so thick that six threads of silk or hemp were in the waff was called samite later when the cloth of gold was more in use and the name was changed from siglaton to bandekin and from that to tissue to keep such fine cloth from fraying or tarnishing they put very thin sheets of paper between the folds of the garments so to this day we call such paper tissue paper leaf gold was used sometimes over silk to give pattern and richness to it a curious survival of this time which has a connection of costume was the case of abraham thornton in eighteen eighteen abraham thornton was accused of having drowned mary ashford but he was acquitted by the jury this acquittal did not satisfy popular feeling and the brother of mary ashford appealed now thornton was well advised as to his next proceeding and following the still existent law of this early time of which i write he went to westminster hall where he threw down as a gauge of battle an antique gauntlet without fingers or thumb of white tanned skin ornamented with silk fringes and soon work crossed by a narrow band of leather the fastenings of leather tags and songs this done he declared himself ready to defend himself in a fight and so to uphold his innocence saying that he was within his rights and that no judge could compel him to come before a jury this was held to be good and within the law so ibrahim thornton won his case as the brother refused to pick up the gauntlet the scandal of this procedure caused the abolishment of the trial by battle which had remained in the country's laws from the time of henry II until eighteen nineteen it was a time of foreign war and improvement in military armour and arms richard the first favoured the crossbow and brought it into general use in england to be used in conjunction with the old four-foot bow and the great bow six feet long with a glossiard arrow a bow which could send a shaft through a four-inch door for some time this military movement together with the influence from the east kept england from any advance or great change in costume indeed the orientalism reached a pitch in the age of henry third which so far as costume is concerned may be called the age of draperies to recall such a time in pictures one must then see visions of loose tunic men with heavy cloaks of men in short tunics with sleeves tight or loose at the wrists of hoods with capes to them the cape edge sometimes cut in round design of soft leather boots and shoes the boots reaching to the calf of the leg to see in the streets bright oriental colours and cloaks edged with broad bands of pattern 
to see hooded heads and bared heads on which the hair was long to see many long-bearded men to see old men leaning on ten-handled sticks the sailor in a cap or cuff tied under his chin the builder stone-mason and skilled workmen in the same cuff to see as a whole a brilliant shift in colour scheme in which armour gleamed and leather tunics supplied a dull fine background among these one might see at the town by the shore the thief of a sailor being carried through the streets with his head shaven tarred and feathered the women it is difficult to describe an influence in clothes it is difficult nowadays to say in millinery where paris begins and london accepts the hint of paris in a gown suggests taste the whole of paris in a gown savors of servile imitation no well-dressed englishwoman should or does look french but she may have a subtle cachet of france if she choose the perfection of art is to conceal the means to the end the perfection of dress is to hide the milliner in the millinery the ladies of richard first's time did not wear oriental clothes but they had a flavor of orientalism pervading their dress rather masculine orientalism than feminine the long cloak with the cord that held it over the shoulders the long loose gown of fine colors and simple designs the soft low heelless shoes the long unbound hair or the hair held up and concealed under an untied wimple these gave a touch of something foreign to the dress away in the country there was little to dress for and what clothes they had were made in the house stuffs brought home from cyprus from palestine from asia minor were laboriously conveyed to the house and there made up into gowns local smiths and silver workers made them buckles and brooches and ornamental studs for their long belts or clasps for their purses a wreck would break up on the shore near by and the news would arrive perhaps that some bales of stuff were washed ashore and were to be sold the female anchorites of these days were busy gossips and from their hermitage or shelter by a bridge on the road would see the world go by and pick up friends by means of gifts of bandages or purses made by them despite the fact that this traffic was forbidden to them so the lady in the country might get news of her lord abroad and hear that certain silks and stuffs were on their way home the gowns they wore were long flowing and loose they were girdled about the middle with leathern or silk belts which drew the gown loosely together the end of the belt after being buckled hung down to about the knee these gowns were close at the neck and there fastened by a brooch the sleeves were wide until they came to the wrist over which they fitted closely the cloaks were ample and were held on by brooches or laces across the bosom the shoes were the shape of the foot sewn embroidered elaborate the wimples were pieces of silk or white linen held to the hair in front by pins and allowed to flow over the head at the back there were still remaining at this date women who wore the tight-fitting gown laced at the back and who tied their chins up in gorgets end of section six recording by bologna times